Chapter thirty one of The Nest of the Sparrowhawk by Emma Orksey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Assignation. He had recovered his outward composure at any rate, and the next moment was busy readjusting his doublet and bands before the mirror over the hearth yes my violent friend he said coolly speaking over his shoulder of a truth it is mine own self your landlord you see to whom that worthy woman upstairs owes this nice cottage which she has had rent-free for over ten years not the foreign vermin you see he added with a pleasant laugh which maketh your actions of just now somewhat unpleasant to explain is that not so nay but by the lord quoth adam lambert still somewhat dazed vaguely frightened himself now at the magnitude the importance of what he had done meseems that tis thine actions friend which will be unpleasant to explain thou didst not put on these play-actors robes for a good purpose i'll warrant i cannot guess what is thy game but methinks her young ladyship would wish to know something of its rules or mayhap my brother richard who is no friend of thine forsooth gradually his voice had become steadier his manner more assured a glimmer of light on the squire's strange doings had begun to penetrate his simple dull brain vaguely he guessed the purport of the disguise and of the lies and the mention of lady sue's name was not an arrow shot thoughtlessly into the air at the same time he had not perceived the slightest quiver of fear or even of anxiety on sir marmaduke's face the latter had in the meanwhile put his crumpled toilet in order and now turned with an urbane smile to his glowering antagonist i will not deny kind master he said pleasantly that you might cause me a vast amount of unpleasantness just now although of a truth i do not perceive that you would benefit yourself overmuch thereby on the contrary you would vastly lose your worthy aunt mistress lambert would lose a pleasant home and you would never know what you and your brother richard have vainly striven to find out these past ten years what may that be pray queried the smith sullenly who you both are rejoined sir marmaduke blandly as he calmly sat down in one of the stiff-backed elm chairs beside the hearth and why worthy mistress lambert never speaks to you of your parentage who we both are retorted lambert with obvious bitterness two poor castaways who but for the old woman would have been left to starve and who have tried therefore to be a bit grateful to her and to earn an honest livelihood that is what we are sir marmaduke de chavas and now prithee tell me who the devil art thou you are over fond of swearing worthy master 
quoth sir marmaduke lightly tis sinful so i'm told for one of your creed but that is no matter to me you are believe me somewhat more interesting than you imagine though i doubt if to a quaker being heir to title and vast estates hath more than a fleeting interest but the smith had shrugged his broad shoulders and uttered an exclamation of contempt title and vast estates he said with an ironical laugh nay sir marmaduke de chavas the bait is passing clumsy and you wish me to hold my tongue about you and your affairs you'll have to be vastly sharper than that you mistake me friend smith i am not endeavouring to purchase your silence i hold certain information relating to your parentage this i would be willing to impart to a friend yet loath to do so to an enemy a man doth not like to see his enemy in possession of fifteen thousand pounds a year does he and sir marmaduke appeared absorbed in the contemplation of his left shoe whilst adam lambert repeated stupidly and vaguely fifteen thousand pounds a year i even you my friend this was said so simply and with such conviction carrying certainty that in spite of himself lambert's sulkiness vanished he drew nearer to sir marmaduke looked down on him silently for a second or two then muttered through his teeth you have the proofs they will be at your service my choleric friend replied the other suavely in exchange for your silence adam lambert drew a chair close to his willem enemy sat down opposite to him with elbows resting on his knee his clenched fists supporting his chin and his eyes anxious eager glowing fixed resolutely on de chavas i'll hold my tongue never fear he said curtly show me the proofs sir marmaduke gave a pleasant little laugh not so fast my friend he said i do not carry such important papers about in my breeches pocket and he rose from his chair picked up the paroquet and false moustache which the other man had dropped upon the floor and adjusting these on his head and face he once more presented the appearance of the exiled orleans prince but thou'lt show them to me to-night insisted the smith roughly how can i mine impatient friend quoth de chavas lightly the hour is late already nay what matter the lateness of the hour i am oft abroad at night early and late and thou methinks hast oft had the midnight hour for company when and where wilt meet me added lambert peremptorily i must see those proofs to-night before many hours are over lest the blood in my veins burn my body to ashes with impatience when wilt meet me eleven midnight or the small hours of the morn he spoke quickly jerking out his words through closed teeth his eyes burning with inward fever his fists closing and unclosing with rapid febrile movements of the fingers the pent-up disappointment 
and rebellion of a whole lifetime against fate was expressed in the man's attitude the agonizing eagerness which indeed seemed to be consuming him de chavas on the other hand had become singularly calm the black shade as usual hid one of his eyes masking and distorting the expression of his face the false moustache too concealed the movements of his lips and the more his opponent's eyes tried to search the schemer's face the more inscrutable and bland did the latter become nay my friend he said at last i do not know that the thought of a midnight excursion with you appeals to my sense of personal security i but with a violent oath adam had jumped to his feet and kicked the chair away from under him so that it fell backwards with a loud clatter thou'lt meet me to-night he said loudly and threateningly now thou'lt meet me on the path near the cliffs of Apple bay half an hour before midnight and if thou hast lied to me i'll throw thee over and thanet then will be rid of thee but if thou dost not come i'll to my brother richard even before the church clock of acol hath sounded the hour of midnight de chavas watched him silently for the space of three seconds realizing of course that he was completely in that man's power and also that the smith meant every word that he said the discovery of the monstrous fraud by richard lambert within the next few hours was a contingency which he could not even contemplate without shuddering he certainly would much prefer to give up to this uncouth labourer the proofs of his parentage which eventually might mean an earldom and a fortune to a village blacksmith sir marmaduke had reflected on all this of course before broaching the subject to adam lambert at all now he was prepared to go through with the scheme to the end if need be his uncle the earl of northallerton might live another twenty years whilst he himself if pursued for fraud might have to spend those years in jail on the whole it was simpler to purchase the smith's silence this way or another sir marmaduke's reflections at this moment would have delighted those evil spirits who are supposed to revel in the misdoings of mankind the thought of the lonely path near the cliffs of apple bay tickled his fancy in a manner for which perhaps at this moment he himself could not have accounted he certainly did not fear adam lambert and now said decisively very well my friend and you wish it i'll come half an hour before midnight insisted lambert on the cliffs at apple bay half an hour before midnight on the cliffs of apple bay assented the other he picked up his hat where art going queried the smith suspiciously to change my clothing replied sir marmaduke who was fingering that fateful tinder-box which alone had brought about the present crisis and to fetch those proofs which you are so anxious to see thou'lt not fail me surely not quoth de chavas as he finally went out of the room 
End of chapter 31